0: Ah, yes. You're here to arrest me because you believe I killed my friend.
1: Uh, Ian?
2: Ian? Buddy, you there?
1: He left. He left. We, uh, he really didn't want to get that murder charge.
2: No, he did not. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what happened? Do you think his internet just cut out or do you think his laptop just killed itself?
1: Oh, well, here Hello? we go.
2: Hello? Hello? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean we thought you were on the run
0: yeah i i kind of <laughs> oh that kind of Ooh, that 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 didn't turn out as well as uh as i had thought water is all over the place now and oh no I'm have to do some cleaning at some point oh boy uh but until then um welcome to the inside moment <laughs> podcast Okay. My name's
2: Ian, who else
0: here is with me?
2: Hi, I'm Father the uh, concierge of the Zogé Hotel in Bedford.
1: My name is James, you may refer to me as Zero, and I will be your lobby boy this evening.
0: Because everybody needs a damn good lobby boy to help out with cleaning up all the water that you inadvertently <laughs> spill. <laughs> yeah,
1: look. <gasps> all over your desk you like stab your own throat every time we record these so like it's rebelling
0: uh yeah there, there there's usually well actually no this is the first time where i've had a uh, uh what um people within the field of science high science very serious science would call um a big fucking oopsie that it do that it yes. do yes uh but let's talk about a not so big oopsie And that oopsie would be the day that uh, each of us got into a little series of games, focusing on a particular uh, Marvel Comics character, Spidey-Man. So because Spidey-Man is still very relevant and topical right now, we figured, hey, you know what? We talked about our favorite Spider-Man movies, but because he has such a presence in this department, why don't we also talk about our favorite and i mean our favorite spidey
1: man games there's quite a lot to choose from this man's been out about for quite a while Mm mm-hmm
2: like surprisingly so
0: like uh uh, i I think spider-man of most superhero characters has had the most success within the world of uh games
2: I'd say so. I mean, his games back date back all the way, well, at least from what I remember, to the PS One and the N sixty four.
0: Oh yeah, and there were even games on like the Sega Genesis, SNES, and stuff like that. It, it ooh.
1: this goes back further than you guys realize. He had a game on the Atari. <laughs> you, you controlled oh, like God. five red he, pixels and if you flick the stick he'd like shoot his web to climb the building
0: yeah yeah you, you yeah. kind of have to just uh take the game's word for it that what you're looking at <laughs> is a spider-man game
1: <laughs> yeah they even released a like one issue of the comic was just devoted to them making a spider-man game on the atari
0: <laughs> well if i had to start us off because um, there's quite a few games to choose from, but uh, perhaps, Sam, you might agree with me here. I've recently come to the realization that my absolute favorite Spidey-Man game, without a doubt, always comes back to being Ultimate Spider-Man.
2: It's, that It's that is a good one. That is a very good one.
1: It's a pretty unique one.
0: A very unique one, Uh, because as far as I'm aware of... Uh, granted, there's been... Cases where, like, this line of comics was referenced or there's, like, Mm. an alternate costume specifically based on design things from that universe. But Ultimate Spider-Man, as far as I'm aware of, is the only piece of media outside of comics that actually directly bases itself in the Ultimate Comics universe.
2: Yeah, that I can think of
1: exclusively, yeah. yeah.
0: Because, like I said, you have cases like in Ultimate Alliance or something like that, where there's an alternate costume and all that, but uh, frankly, no, this is like the only one where that's like it. That's the world that you're in, and uh, I think it just makes Ultimate Spider-Man all the more special, you know? That and just a lot of what came in the game that uh, was released before it, Spider-Man 2, uh, ultimate spider-man i argue perfects it mm-hmm. like there's some things that aren't in it that were in spider-man 2 but i mean i think a lot of it was streamlined uh so that it's it's just more action-packed you know what i'm saying
1: and of course mm-hmm. uh the one thing spider-man 2 did not have was venom
2: yes yeah it's very cool to see venom in the game very weird playing them such it's just, it's just a, such a more brutal way to play with you people snap you you know snapping people in half uh,
0: yeah snapping people in half and uh, your first victim that you consume is a small child with a spider-man balloon mm-hmm.
1: that's right yeah and then Wolverine <laughs> challenges you to a bar fight and that goes over real swell oh yeah
0: what about you guys what's your uh,
1: general favorite that
0: you tend to go back to?
1: I uh I kind of have a tie, if I'm going to be mm-hmm. honest, because I've been swinging around New York City for quite a while with the wall crawler. But uh-huh. there there are two games that kind of stuck out to me as, like, really good Spider-Man. And, like, one, maybe not the best, but the ones that I have the most personal attachment to are uh Web of Shadows and that one is a good one. Shattered Dimensions.
0: Mmm, I remember Shattered Dimensions.
1: Shattered Dimensions is also a game that has a couple levels set in the Ultimate Universe, but it's really brings up that Spider-Verse angle. hmm mm-hmm. And then uh, Web of Shadows is just, like, pure... I was such a big fan of the symbiotes, like, growing up, and, like, that goes ham with them. That's, like, the entire plot is just... There's a ton of symbiotes. Stop them. Wolverine gets infected, and you see him like all venomized and weird. Yeah, you
0: get to see like venom versions of all these popular characters.
1: And like, which this, is pretty dumb. This crazy combat system where, like, you have the black and red suit, and they have different combos. You can switch in the middle of combos <laughs> and. Like, web yeah, people up, dope. toss them around. You you can fight people while swinging just by grabbing them with the web, pulling them towards you, kick them, swing towards It's really good.
0: My only drawback with that one is that they didn't have any alternate costumes unless you were playing the Wii version. And the problem with the Wii version...
2: Is that it's the Wii version. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't play all that well. And, uh, it looks like a potato in comparison to the, uh, the 360 and PS3 versions. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Not a good look. But, you do have a Spider Carnage costume instead of the black suit, which is pretty
1: dope. It's real good. That's the one I played with most.
2: God, I guess the one I always have to come back to is the Spider-Man 2 one. It's probably one of the best, uh, movies to Spider-Man games. uh, Movies to video game adaptations I've ever seen or played. I mean, going back now, it's it's aged like a motherfucker. It's <laughs> it's old, <laughs> but Little it's bit. it's still very, very good. Um, I mean, to me, like, the trifectas, is, like, the N64 ones, because it's unfair. I grew up on them.
1: Oh, those are really good, oh, too. Oh, yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Spider-Man 2. I mean, of course, Ultimate Spider-Man is really good. That's, like, the trifecta of perfection for me. Mm-hmm, However, mm-hmm. some, you know, honorable mentions are Web of Shadows, because Web of Shadows, for me, was, like, that breath of fresh air, because I feel like there's been, like, trashy games between now and, uh, before then, till, like, it yeah. came out. And it was, like, a breath of fresh air, because I, I, I wasn't expecting much when I got into it, but then I started playing, like, fuck yeah, baby, Venom time, let's go. Kind of something to what James is <laughs> saying. It, if, I, if I, like, gun to my head, I had to pick a favorite... That would be hard, but I'd probably say Ultimate Spider-Man if really? I had to pick one. I love Spider-Man 2, but I think Ultimate Spider-Man, the fact that it's, it's so stylized and comic-y helps it age a little bit more, at least visually, to Spider-Man 2, although it does not have the benefit of having uh, motherfucking Bruce Campbell as a like a tutorial <laughs> guy, which <laughs> That's is oh, that true, is which is a shame, so but I, I feel you get more out of Ultimate Spider-Man. You can play as Venom. You know, you, there's ultimate costumes to unlock, even though they're getting bitch to unlock. Oh, my uh,
0: God. Yeah. Dear Lord. Good luck trying to unlock the black suit early in the game. You're going to. Or do... at all. <laughs> <laughs> or at all. Yeah. It's so annoying because you have to get all those like tokens that mm-hmm. are just all over the place. And like when you're doing it for the first couple hours, you're like, oh, token. There it is. Oh, token. There it is. But once you get later on, they just become more scarce. And you're
2: like, where are they? It where goes, are it, they? It, it's a big fucking
1: place. Oh, yeah. New York. It's uh, it's freaking huge. It is
2: mm-hmm.
0: one big apple. Yeah, but I would say it's my
2: favorite. Ultimate Spider-Man. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, with uh, favorites... I do have to ask, what are some Spider-Man games that you were disappointed with and left like a really bad taste in your mouth and you had to rinse it out with something
2: like Ultimate Spider-Man? In terms of the least fair, I'd probably say Friend or Foe or Shattered Dimensions. They weren't bad games, but I don't know. They felt too... They tried being cartoony like Ultimate Spider-Man, but I didn't think it ended up being stylized. It was just kind of, eh. I see. Okay,
1: okay. Coming after one of my faves. I get you. I see where you're coming from. Like I said, it's not bad. Just, no. I don't
2: know. I, I was spoiled on the on the first ones.
1: I get that. Yet, yeah, this is a harder question, because, like you said, Spider-Man seems to have had one of the more consistent track records
0: mm-hmm.
1: in, in like, games. Uh, so come on with, like, a least favorite. Uh, uh, do you have an, an example of one that disappointed you, Yeah, I have two
0: and the first one granted is because it came out right before spider-man 2 and that's the first toby Maguire spider-man game Uh, most people don't remember that one but it was uh based on the first movie and it borrows heavily from the gameplay of the uh the old Neversoft Spider-Man from the PlayStation 1 and 64 Dreamcast that one which also means when you are in uh, open city levels um web just kind of sticks to the sky <laughs> as you swing around mm-hmm. so going back to it, it 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 is a little jarring and that um,
1: one ...is like a big focus on aerial combat, too.
0: Yes, which is fun, but it is one of those games where it it really is only fun depending on which level you go through. That's it. Because there are certain levels where it's just obnoxiously clunky and difficult and (laughs) all that. I, I absolutely hate the level where you have to escort Scorpion of all characters who's getting his ass handed to him by these, like, robot spider-slayer things going after him. And then the level after that, you fight Scorpion one-on-one, and suddenly he's this nigh-unstoppable, like, brute, just jumping all over the place. It's just, where was that two seconds ago? Uh, But the other one, uh, which should come as no surprise, much like how it is my least favorite of the trilogy... My least favorite has to be, of the ones I've played, because there are plenty of other Spider-Man games that are deemed bad that I just haven't seen the light of day of, but it's Spider-Man 3, uh, the the video game. What a letdown after following up Spider-Man 2. Like, it is actually kind of (laughs) sad, you know? Because the web swinging, for whatever reason, even though all the blueprints were there, It feels, like, heavy. Like, you're not Spider-Man, you're a a, a sack of potatoes on a really long rope sticking to the Empire State Building. (laughs) Combat feels like if you took Ultimate Spider-Man and said, Okay, check it, check it, check it, flailing around, rather than
2: actually flipping around. (laughs) Yeah, I will say, in terms of the best combat, it's probably a tie between Web of Shadows and... uh the new ps4 one i would say so too yeah mm-hmm. but i, I the, P, the new ps4 is good it's just i don't know I, I guess nostalgia for the old ones is not is what keeping it from being my favorite gameplay wise i like it the most it's just
0: uh, as a whole game i i prefer ultimate spider-man
1: it, it hasn't kicked around long enough to really like ramble around in our brains and develop those those tight memories that the other ones grasped at us. So, I have an interesting choice, considering I said Web of Shadows was my, uh, one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. It's also one of my least favorites, because weirdly enough, uh, when I was a kid, I, I was always looking to save money, so I'd always try to get uh, the newest games on the older systems I could. I had a PS2 for quite a while. Oh, I know what it is. And uh, Web of Shadows was also on the PS2. Mm-hmm. It is a side-scrolling, like, 2D beat-em-up game instead with, like, weird... It's mostly dialogue boxes, honestly. Weird. Like, there's no, there's no voice acting. At least I don't remember there being that much. It's just, like, a lot of static screens with text, and you just choose, like... Moral choices for the whole game, and I don't even think there's alternate endings. No, I mean there might be, but it's the difference of like, oh, he's wearing the red suit or he's wearing the black suit at the end.
0: Jeez, oh, talk wow. about a downgrade. <laughs> and it, yeah, I was wow. really, it,
1: and it's especially disappointing because I thought I was getting, you know, the game they advertised in every other version with like the the Wolverine Venom, oh, yeah. and like the open world exploration, and that. It was not.
0: Uh, no. And it surprises me that the PS two one was so different from, say, the Wii port, because the Wii and PS two are practically the same in terms of what they're capable of. So why they didn't just port the Wii one to the PS two but change out the motion controls for actual button prompts, I will never understand.
1: I don't know what to tell I you. But I guess
0: that's just something that happened at the, the, one point in time
1: yeah the ps2 one looks like the freaking ds port <laughs> <laughs> uh, the
0: the ds was always the one that got the short end of the stick with any like multi console port yeah all the games like specifically made for it hey they're okay, but any like console ports it never turned out well.
1: But speaking of appearances and performance, Ian, there was another topic that you wanted to discuss in regards I to media did. in general.
0: I did, and it's a topic that I've had a bit of a change in attitude of because I'm kind of seeing the benefits of it. Uh, the problem is, though, is that this media format is not the easiest to get into, nor is it the most affordable. I have a feeling that might have a big say in whether or not people actually uh, like the idea of it or would even want to upgrade to it, but I was curious, fellas. Given that it's had plenty of time to uh, fester and spread, what are your thoughts on uh 4k resolution media both in terms of like movie consumption as well as video gaming i mean are you indifferent towards it would it be cool to have it uh or do you just not see any point in it at all
1: so the way i always look at this is it's like a technological arms race right like they're gonna keep updating graphics, fidelity, and all that stuff, whether you really want them to or not. I mean, that, that's—I I guess that's—that's that's the core of my thoughts on the matter. It, they—you know—they're you're talking about 4K. They've already announced 8K. Like they're—they're they're just still going and going. <sighs> yeah,
0: yeah, and that annoys me. That mm-hmm. really annoys me. Because <laughs> I mean, 4K is already difficult enough to like. Actually, procure and properly stream or just play on your television. <laughs> Imagine how expensive it's going to be for eight K. I mean, honestly. Hmm. Sam, what about you? What are your thoughts on four K media?
2: Oh, I don't really have a lot to be honest. I don't really care.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so indifference is the side that you're on, and I. Yeah. Like I said, I'm kind um, of in the same boat.
2: <laughs> I guess it's because I'm I'm a blind. Mofo, and I, I never really noticed it before. You know, I was never really into the tech terms, and it's really my bad. I should be, you know, because it's 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 not so important, but it's, it's shit. I should really know. It's just I I I don't really look at a game like mm or a movie for that matter. And go mm. This thing's not 1080p or 4k. I can't watch it. I'm not. You know what I mean? I I I don't really care for the most part. As long as it's. It, it, I mean. As long as it's not like terrible. <laughs> like I get you. Like obviously
0: you you don't wanna watch uh, into the spider verse at like two forty P.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as it looks good, I mean I, I guess I just I, I never really watched a lot of stuff in four K or really noticed a difference to really yeah. say, Oh yeah, you know, four K it's it's the tit, you know? So I, mm-hmm. I unfortunately I don't have a lot to say on it. Um I mean in terms of if it's like a I don't know. <laughs> in, in terms of like movies and TV shows, I don't give a shit if it's, TV, you know, it's in four K as long as it's got its own style and looks good. And I can as long okay I'll put it like this because I'm just rambling at this point. If I could properly see what the show or TV or game is trying to do style wise and it looks as good as it could be for its own style, I don't. I'm fine with that. I don't need that little extra bit of four K or whatever that does as long as it can properly show in a good fashion what it's trying to show. I guess is what I'm trying to okay. say.
0: Okay, as long as the original intention of like the director and cinematographer is being shown in a non-altered like way, that, that, that's really all that matters.
2: Yeah, as long as it's shown well enough. To the point where it could go. It, as I don't long need...
0: as you can't actually count the amount of pixels on your screen because mm-hmm. the footage
2: is like pixelated and compressed, you're all good. Yeah. There doesn't have to be cherry on the cake as long as the cake is delicious and has frost. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I don't, I don't need the cherry. That's what I'm trying to say. And I would say
0: that I'm in the same mindset, however... I'm kind of more in the middle the more I think about it. Because like I said, I had a bit of change in attitude towards 4K. Not to the point where I'm going to be singing its praises and saying that it's the only way to consume stuff. Because frankly, I would be no better than those snobby asshats that claim that's the only way to consume it. And if you offer them anything in 1080p or something like that, they're just going to scoff at it. I am not mm-hmm. one of those people. And frankly, I am not going to tell anyone, no, you you need to upgrade. For me, hey, I had a chance to actually watch some stuff in 4K because a friend of mine has like a whole 4K setup. And I'm not going to lie. It looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. We played both 1080p and 4K content on the same tv and i did notice a difference things look a lot more crisp a lot more clear and it's amazing you know i, I mean it- it's great to look at if you actually have the hardware to properly display it and all that and then i asked him how much it cost him to have all that stuff and i kind of died a little on the inside
1: <laughs> yeah that's why it I was going to ask, is you think it's worth it for the general public at large? Like, No. Okay.
0: It is not. It is not. It still isn't. It hasn't been for a while, and the only people that I can really recommend this to are the people who want to get as much detail out of their stuff as possible, both in terms of movies and video games. It is not something everyone needs frankly despite how many of those like video file people will say no uh i still do not think it is worth it for most people because like the thing that people don't take into account is depending on what kind of setup you have it it just becomes more difficult to be able to support 4k because here's the thing right let's say you buy a 4k blu-ray right and and, and you want to watch uh, tremors in 4k let's say that's the movie in total what you're going to need is a 4k player which could just be a standalone player or like a a ps4 pro if you have one of those because those do support 4k blu-rays or hey a ps5 or uh the new xbox mini fridge thing that i refuse to ever get at any point you need that then you need a 4k television that also has the most up-to-date version of high dynamic range support which if that doesn't make any sense to you uh good because this is only further proving my point of how (laughs) convoluted this stuff is And then on top of that, if you're one of those people that wants to have a sound system, well, the thing is, most sound systems nowadays, you do it via HDMI. So you also need a high-speed 4K HDMI cable, which are more expensive than your normal, average, everyday HDMI. And then you also need a sound system that has a HDMI port that supports 4K high dynamic range. Otherwise, you aren't going to get a signal. Yeah. And yes, all of this will cost you thousands.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's just a lot, right? It, and-
0: it is. It is. And most people just want to plug in their shit and play it,
1: you know? <laughs> shit. Yeah. It, like, I know you're a little more tuned in to that kind of stuff, but I genuinely don't think most people will notice the difference unless they're literally, like, right next to each other.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, humor me for a second, fellas. Um, let's say you did have, like, say, a blank check, you know, and you were given the option to just be given all the necessary hardware to be able to consume 4K content. I do have to ask, if you were to have the option for 4K, would you choose it mainly to prioritize it towards watching movies and tv shows or would you want it to be more integrated into like uh gaming and whatnot basically think about it like this would you rather have a nice large 4k tv in your living room so that you can watch all kinds of content or would you rather get a 4k monitor and have that on like your pc build or something
2: i I would say video gaming just so i could spit in the eye of god and play some like fucking 8-bit piece of shit
1: <laughs> yo yo I got I got Shovel Knight on high graphics baby
2: let's go look I can literally count the pixels in Undertale let's go oh yeah
0: 2160p my guy that's the only way
2: <laughs> I'm watching free yeah. Fight in 4k high def let's go we're playing
1: these games in colors that weren't even invented yet. Let's go.
2: <laughs> this is what a mantis. This is what a mantis shrimp sees. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, probably not far
0: off. I, I just remember like a friend of Scott's. Right. He. he I, I. I was saying, hey, have you ever played uh, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory? And he's like, oh no, not really. And I'm like, oh, it's an amazing game, and it's, like, dirt cheap right now. It's, like, on sale for five bucks. And he's like, oh, really? I remember hearing about it. And he goes on to check out the specs, and he says, oh, doesn't support 4K. No thanks. (laughs) Oh, my God. These these are the kinds of people I'm talking about. Like, he wasn't obnoxious about it, but at the same time, I'm just like, you're really going to miss out. On one of the best stealth games ever created just because it doesn't support 4K? There are probably fan-made mods that will support it. But I bet you're not going to look that up, are you? (laughs) Ugh. So, fellas, you, you can see now why 4K, as cool as it is, it still has a ways to go before everyone can consume it. If that ever happens
2: i'm sure it will be I and mean, that's the thing with technology any any sort of technology it always starts off super expensive super rare first but then they find easier ways to make it and eventually it'll be available to the you know people who couldn't before i mean it's, it's the same with everything you know i mean if you tried buying a ps3 now you could probably find it for deep dirt cheap compared to when they first started out and they were cutting edge you know so, That's I will happen to mention, I don't know, PS, uh, PS5, PS5s and Xbox One, the new Xboxes might be the exception, because we can't even buy them now. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens.
1: Golly, I hope right. that statement gets dated soon.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm sure at some point it'll become, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, kind of like we're talking about, 4K has a way to go, and maybe once 8k rolls out suddenly there's going to just be a, a plummet in the prices for 4k stuff but then again that would be in a perfect world more than likely it's gonna stay the
2: same but speaking of high quality in filmmaking i think it's time to talk about the movie that was recommended for today
0: Oh yeah
2: and it well, was recommended
0: it. by our buddy James over here. James, what's the movie that we uh we watched in preparation for today?
2: It's not a 3-star hotel. It's not a super eight motel.
1: It's the Grand Budapest Hotel. This was mm. uh I when we first started this podcast, we each of us listed I believe 3 films that kind of encapsulate what we all look for in movies.
0: Uh-huh.
1: This was one of mine. I really enjoy this movie. It's got a very unique, like, tone and style to it. Uh, it's the... I, I'd give a plot synopsis, but I kind of feel like it's not even really about the plot, if that makes sense. Like, shit just kind of happens, and it takes you on a ride But to give a brief synopsis, there is the, uh, I I forget the exact name, but it's set in a fictional, vaguely Soviet country on the verge of war that we are completely ignoring because the main plot is actually about this, like, very extravagant hotel that uh, it, it clients are a lot of very rich people that are very close to the concierge one such person is passed away, and they just believe their family may have been a part of her death. And the whole thing is just a wild goose chase over uh, all of her inheritance and characters getting mixed up in a lot of just intrigue and weird bullshit. And that's, that's the best I can explain how this movie works, because, like I said, it, it's almost more about the the journey than where you end up with this one.
0: I would agree. It, it is much more about where things go and how it gets there.
1: And it's almost uh, exemplified with the, uh, the framing device this movie has because it's not... We don't start at the hotel. We don't I even start...
2: At the narration of the hotel. Yeah. <laughs>
1: The, this movie is told from the perspective of a little girl reading a book about a man who visited the hotel later, who is hearing the life story of the current owner about his mentor. Like that's so many Fancy. layers. <laughs> that is.
0: That's like narrationception right there.
2: Yeah. So I, I guess we should go over general thoughts real quick. Yeah. Um, I, and just in general, of course, because there, there's a lot to delve into. Um, I, I really like that, this movie. It is quintessential Wes Anderson. It's, it's weird. It's really, really, really fucking weird, but not in the con- usual conceptual, oh, hey, this movie's got weird stuff and it. It's just, it's just weird. It's, I don't know how to describe it, but I, it was, it was very, it's very unique in a, in a good way, and it's, it's, a down, it's a bit of a downer. It's, it's, it's weird how it balances its humor with its more serious side. And it, if you don't like that clash and just the, the odd nature of it all, it, it won't grab you as much. But it's something that if you can set aside your usual perception of how a film usually goes, it's really good. And I, I think I was able to do so. And I, I, I really liked the experience of it.
1: No, is it a perfect film?
2: Fuck no, <laughs> but I, I really liked it for what it was. Okay, and that's just general thoughts.
1: Ian, what about your general thoughts on this film?
0: Ah uh, well, I'm gonna be perfectly blunt with this. Uh, I I I I loved this movie. Okay. I I I think uh, in in some cases it should come as no surprise, but I thoroughly enjoyed my time with this to the point where, uh, yeah. I, I I can say without a doubt in my mind, I loved it. This this was an amazing movie for me to watch. Uh and a lot of that comes from uh it being helmed by Wes Anderson. And just it's so trad. okay, for the most part it's traditional. It's traditional in how it's shot and just like its its filmmaking uh techniques and stuff like that, and very practical too, which I'll get into detail with that as we go along but uh i really liked the miniature work in this which usually you can tell by looking at it that they're little tiny models and stuff like that but i just thought the style of that cinematography benefited the film and the time it came or rather the time it was based in to where uh it it, came off as, like, if I had to put a word to it, wholesome. It was very wholesome filmmaking. And uh, it had an amazing cast as Oh, well. yeah.
1: I very much Fantastic agree. Fantastic
0: cast. Like, oh my goodness.
1: An, an interesting note about the cast is... Uh, there, there are some decent named people that are just in, like, small or relatively bit parts. Like, Jeff Goldblum shows up for a while, and then isn't really that important to the plot. Owen Wilson is just, like, a cameo appearance for literally no reason at the end of the movie.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely insane how many just big people are in this movie, just in general.
1: Right. But, like, the main characters aren't anyone that you really know. No, not really. Yeah. And, and not to say they're, like, you know, nobody actors, but, like, they, this... This director has the ability to draw in these big names, and he, he chooses to pick people that are the best for their roles, and people that have that, like, talent. Because th- these are some very... I th- calling them unique characters feels a little pretentious, but they they have their own energy, if you know what mm, I
2: mean. It really goes to fit with Wes Craven's... Not Wes Craven, goddammit, I'm gonna keep making that mistake. <laughs> that's, well, that's,
0: that'd, that'd be a very different
2: movie. Oh, yeah. Yes, it would be. <laughs> um, God, if you imagine a Scream movie in that hotel, it would be dope as shit.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh. Um,
2: but honestly, and I'm picking specifics now, what I I think what worked 100% best in this movie, like just, mm, was a relationship between the two main characters, and I'll call them the two main characters despite the multiple layers, of Zero, uh, Mustafa, I believe is his name, Goose. Uh yes.
1: No, Zero Mustafa, uh, yeah. And, and the
2: con- the head concierge of the guy in Budapest Hotel being um Gustave and Gustave. Their relationship as the movie goes on is the best part of the film. They work so fucking well together. And it's just it's it really is just the best part. It, it, honestly, nothing else compares in my opinion.
1: The growth is so organic, too. Like, they start out, he's just starting there, and, like, they assign him to work with him. And throughout the Mm -hmm. course of it, like, he realizes how capable Zero is, and then Zero is, like, looking up to this this man that's teaching him his whole life. And it's fascinating because Gustav is kind of an idiot, but, like, a, a theatrical idiot. And Zero is too, like, innocent and a little insecure to call him out when he's saying stuff that really doesn't make any sense.
2: I mean, so, something that really works in the movie does extenuate, like, like I said, is is their budding relationship as almost like brothers. They even call each other brothers later in the movie. Oh, yeah. And exactly. I, I think what really, I don't know, it's such a simple thing that kind of clicked with me, which at the very beginning when uh, Gustave's teaching him how to be like the perfect lobby uh, boy and saying, hey, you got to know what people want before they even know it. And she says in the beginning, and little spoiler right, for like a minute of the movie, but watch this movie. I'm saying this now. This is a recommendation. Fucking watch oh, this movie. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm, I'm going to spoil shit now. Well, let's <laughs> so do it. Um, spoilers, like buddy. I said, Gustave teaches Zero, hey, you got to know what people want before they know it. And then when they go to get the inheritance, you see what the uh, inheritance is and the will for that old lady. Um, She leaves behind a pain- very important painting called A uh, Boy with Apple. And it's a silly, stupid name for apparently, like, one of the most beautiful paintings ever. It's worth billions of zillions of dollars. And they they go to look at it, him and uh, Zero and him, and they look at it. And before uh, Gustave can really think, Zero grabs this little chair so he could reach the painting and puts it right in front of him. Right? I mean, that showed a lot of character growth just in that because he knew what Gustave wanted before Gustave knew what he wanted.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was to
2: take the inheritance. There, and it's just a small thing. And there's a lot of things like that through the entire movie that just just shows this oh, it's absolutely. Just beautiful. It's good as
1: shit. I, I like that the small details of this kind of feed into the narrative, too, because while, while I called uh, Gustavo a, a theatrical idiot, one thing he is hyper competent about is running a hotel. He He knows every little detail that you need to do, even stuff no one would ever think of and that's just littered everywhere throughout the movie. There's a lot of like subtle or like blink and you'll miss it stuff that once you find it just makes you appreciate it that much more. Like there's a scene in when they're in a train car driving riding back to the hotel from the uh the old lady's mansion and Gustave and Zero are talking, but it's focused on Gustave sitting in front of a like, he he's sitting facing the wall, and he's, like, fixing his hair or something. So he moves the mirror, and then in the mirror, that's zero. So you still see both people's faces. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's just... Yeah. Oh, there, there's so much cool little details. Th-
0: th- this is a very detailed, uh, written um, <laughs> movie, and uh, it makes perfect sense... Because Wes Anderson himself is a very, very, very detail-oriented director. Uh, He micromanages just about everything you see on screen. And uh, on one hand, I will say that is by far the most uh, endearing part about his movies. Like, you watch any of them and you can tell that uh, there is nothing that's happening just because you know it's not happening just because oh that's just how the actors decided to stand or walk or something like that no no everything that is happening in front of you is happening for a reason because Wes Anderson said so because he is that concerned about what is going to be in front of the camera and I'm not gonna lie I love that about him The only problem, though, is that on a production standpoint, that has its drawbacks. Because, for example, uh, there there was that part where uh, Harvey Cattell was uh, slapping (laughs) fucking zero. And I was wondering, well, wait, hang on a second. Wes Anderson really, really likes doing things over and over and over again. How many times did he have to do that? and what do you know one of the first pieces of trivia i saw was that zero in total was slapped across the face 42 times until wes anderson was finally satisfied oh my god like actually slapped too (laughs) yes every single time uh he was slapped 42 times good god Forty two takes, forty two slaps across the face.
1: My goodness.
0: Uh I, I forget which actor, but there was another uh film where apparently Wes Anderson was looking at some uh edited like timelines of certain scenes, and he was like remarking about how Oh, you know what, if only so and so was uh doing more of this in, in this particular shot, that'd be great. And apparently that same actor was in the editing room, watching as well, and he just looks at Wes Anderson and says, "Even in post, you're micromanaging me <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's pretty funny,
0: oh, it is, and I mean, when you're Wes Anderson, of course you could do that and it's uh it's It's admiring to be able to think, Oh man, if only I could do that." <laughs>
1: It really shines through. This is really a movie that, like, highlights the little details.
0: Oh, and I can feel every bit of, like, earnest effort from Wes Anderson in, in like, many of these scenes. Because, again, one of his big things is that he's about symmetry. And nearly every single shot, it feels, like, almost perfectly symmetrical. Like, it's leveled. It's framed just perfectly. It, it's, it's one of his quirks that every time I, I'm just... I never get tired of it. I'm never annoyed by a Wes Anderson movie. And I like that fact because of the Wes Anderson movies I've seen, which grant I need to see the rest of them. And this movie makes me want to go watch them. um, This is definitely my favorite of uh, Wes Anderson's movies.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's very much got a very unique style. Very, 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 very dry. Very, very, Uh, very dead. (laughs) Um, Just incredibly fucking so...
1: This movie has perfected something that I've come to call throughout the course of my rewatch. The serious silly. (laughs) Where, like, a character will say something incredibly stupid or weird, but with such a straight face and make it sound like the most serious thing ever...
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, with, like, all the conviction in their voice. I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Like, when when Gustav is breaking out of prison, and Zero is, like, trying to impress him by showing him that he's been practicing poetry, because Mm -hmm. that's something Gustav is reciting throughout the entire movie is just random poetry that, like, really no one cares about. Like Zero's doing this whole thing, and then the alarm sound, and Gustav stops him and goes, That was beautiful, Zero. However, we are on the run for murder, so I do want you to finish though, but we must get going.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just it's full of that. It really is.
1: Yeah. Oh, and
0: of course the uh the, the little scene I referenced uh in the intro was by far the one that made me fall in love with the movie. So obviously Monsieur Gustave's closest friend passes away, and it's said in the deed that uh, it should all, uh, her entire estate should go to him. Uh, Her family doesn't like that, and naturally frames him as the culprit for her death, and is simply trying to steal her finances. Yes. So they retreat back to the hotel with the boy with apple <laughs> painting and uh they're told that the, the police are downstairs of which uh monsieur gustave uh simply goes oh yes all right uh well we'll we'll attend to them in uh about a few minutes and they do and the police say uh gustave you're under arrest for the murder of so-and-so
1: and uh <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's like...
0: He just sits there and says, Ah, yes, you believe that I killed my friend. And there's just a poignant pause just right there as they're both just looking at each other. And he just scurries off into the background of the shot as he just goes up the stairs and the police look at each other and just start chasing after him. The camera's still just sitting there as they're running off.
1: (laughs) Ah, and and it's
0: like you said, the, the serious silly...
1: <laughs> That's the best way I could describe this. Like it's It's
0: played so
2: straight. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, it's it's a weird film. It really is, but it it's it's a film that require it had to be micromanaged because it's especially with Wes Anderson's style, it's if it doesn't work, it's going to be incredibly fucking awkward. It's going to be awkward, uh, yeah. dull or whatever. It's it's going to it's going to be about so you have to get them. Get all those elements into perfect balance, or else it just will not work. And I think he got into perfect balance, and it really, really worked. Now, thinking about the ending, it did bring me down. It's a little bit of a sad ending, in the way yeah, of I know. yeah, because Zero's wife, which you know, Zero you know becomes the the owner of the Grand Budapest Hotel, which is a failing, dying hotel that no one's ever going to visit again, which is <laughs> sad in its own right and his wife ends up dying in childbirth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And Gustave ends up getting shot by the military, and this hotel ends up being basically scrapped. So in a way, it's, it's a very downbeat ending in the sense of that, but I would like to, you know, I, I like to look on the bright side. In and, a and way, it is kind of a positive ending, because the, the stories that are presented are wacky and insane, but at least they're in, in the universe that they're set, and they are told through... Through that book series that the author is writing, yes, and it seems to be a very popular book series because in, in the beginning and in the very end, you see that the statue of the author who wrote about these stories is you know highly regarded. It's got a bunch of you know medals on it and shit. So you know that, that's a positive take on it. That's true.
1: Yeah, that's why I like the uh, the weird framing device of this movie because it feels out of place at first, but. Once everything wraps up, it almost brings back the downer ending of the story to show, like, everyone's inspired by something, right? Zero was inspired mm-hmm. to be better by Gustav, and then uh, he inspired the author to write this book, which is clearly inspiring other people to visit the site and give their keys to the statue of the author.
2: Yeah, and I think really the point is... That the grandeur of the Grand Budapest Hotel wasn't really the hotel itself. It was, as, as Zero put it, it was, it was the spirit of the hotel was Gustave. He he minded it. He does does say it was an illusion he cast. In it may have been an illusion, but it had a real effect. So in, in a way, the spirit's still there.
1: Yeah. So all of the little details, all the little things that you do, like the hotel could have been. A giant mansion, or it could have been like a three-room shack. But, like, they give so much attention, they make you have that much of an interpersonal connection.
2: Yeah, it could have been a, a shotgun shack in the middle of nowhere, but if is leading it, it's it's the Grand Budapest Hotel, baby. Like, yeah. he was in prison,
1: and he was still treating it like the hotel.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That
0: is how Monsieur Gustave do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to say that when I was done watching the movie, uh, it was kind of a bittersweet feeling. Not, not just the ending, which granted it isn't all that sad. I still was like, ah, did you... <laughs> but, uh, bittersweet because I just had this feeling of like, man, I, you don't see like earnest filmmaking like this much else or really anymore, you know, especially with a lot of stuff that's just coming out. But, I say it's bittersweet because uh, obviously I was very happy to have seen it and I would be more than willing to rewatch it. Uh, But it made me think, you know,
1: maybe there are
0: other movies like this that have come out within the last couple of years that I just haven't found yet. And I just, I just got to dig. I got to find it, you know? Oh yeah. It's it's somewhere out there. It's just waiting to be found. Kind of like this movie. Then again, you don't have to look too far because it is Wes Anderson. But still, mm-hmm.
1: it's funny you say that. It's it's kind of in credence to how I saw it in the first place because I was dragged to it by a friend who was like excited to see the new Wes Anderson movie, and I've never heard of him. I didn't see any trailers mm-hmm. for this movie. I was just like brought into it and right. seeing it almost completely blind. That it it does open your eyes to like the possibilities.
0: Yeah. Am I saying that every movie has to have, like, little miniature versions of characters going down, uh, clearly wooden ski slopes? No. No. Not all of them have to do that, but just, like, I don't know. It felt less synthetic and artificial like most CGI-ridden stuff nowadays. I'm gonna sound really snobby right now, and I apologize, but I'm trying not to. It's just, that's kind of how I felt after... Yeah, watching the movie i hate sounding like a filmophile or cinemaphile don't worry snob. we're used to it
1: <laughs> besides uh, i think we've basically discussed most of the movie's uh strengths unless you guys have any closing thoughts
0: uh willem defoe made me laugh even though you're really not supposed to laugh with this stuff he's just so evil and when he's questioned on uh you know what? What were you up to? He 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 just has basically this response of, uh, "Don't
2: don't worry about it." God, it really did feel like an old timey movie, didn't it? Oh yeah, it did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean that's something I just kind of realized now, really looking back on it. To it, it felt like something that would come out in like the twenties. It did, and then not this twenties. I- I'm talking about 1920s.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> full no! circle, baby. <laughs> 20s mm-hmm.
0: content right now, it, it's a little underwhelming. 1920s, mm-hmm. oh that's where that good shit's at. <laughs>
2: That'll <laughs> give really me 4K be good. versions of that. <laughs> oh yeah, hell
0: yeah! Give me 4K versions of fucking Metropolis, not the anime one, but I also would. Like hey, to I'll take, I'll that. take that.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, well, honestly, <laughs> yeah, give me, give me, please. Yeah, I would recommend it. Honestly, I would recommend it. It's, it's, it's not for everyone, and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. But I think everyone can at least kind of enjoy it. And honestly, I'd I'd highly recommend it.
0: Now, granted, I haven't seen all of his movies compared to things like Life Aquatic, uh, Moonrise Kingdom, and I want to even say Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think this is slightly more approachable. Kind of, because it is also rated R, and at times I forgot it was. It doesn't feel like an R-rated movie. It just has little tiny moments of, like, surprising yeah. gore, you, I guess. You
1: forget that it's mm-hmm. an R-rated movie until someone drops an F-bomb or someone's fingers just get, like, popped off.
2: Or they hold up a severed head. <laughs> uh, I guess, real quick, I guess the only negative I could really think of saying is I do feel it has the Metal Gear Solid 2 symptom in which it tries. It has so many themes going in at once. It's got fascism, it's got nostalgia, it's got blah da da going on at one time that it's kind of hard to know what to feel with this movie. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, so it's a collage. It, it, it's confusing in a good way and a bad way. But that's really my only gripe. It's, it's the perfect balance thing again. I think he balanced it well, but it's still a lot of things to balance. So I it can come off as being a bit too much. I get that. Not anyway. in a like, "Oh ho, you can't handle it," but "Oh ho, it's like what the fuck?" <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, there there ain't no Hideo Kojima sitting behind the editing bay laughing at all the people that can't follow his own
1: story. Remember the Patriots. But uh <laughs> oh, in I all uh recommendations all around, it sounds like
0: Oh fuck yeah. Absolutely. Go oh,
2: watch absolutely. this movie. Absolutely. Please Go stay and a watch night
0: at the Grand Budapest Hotel.
2: Yes, please stay a night. The concierge will accommodate you. But Sam, why don't you... Just be careful,
0: because the concierge is uh, Wes Anderson, and he will micromanage how you walk, talk, and basically breathe. What has this been, Sam? It has been a very insightful moment, and I hope you enjoyed your stay. Oh, I have. And until then, we look forward to all of your following
2: visits. We'll catch you later, everybody. Bye-bye! Fairly well. And you may check in, but you may never leave. Adios, everybody.